Blog Talk Radio. Hey there, this is Ben Tennyson. When I'm saving the world with the power of my Ultimatrix, me, Kevin, and Gwen like to listen to the All Taste Explosion with the Boogaloo Shrimp, featuring John Pokemon and the Dennis Daniels Show. It's hero time! From Daniel Studios in Cincinnati, Ohio, it's the Dennis Daniel Show. Tonight's guest, voice actor Christopher Sabat, and your announcer, me, Belle Dandy. And now, here's your host. He is Cincinnati's next big radio personality, Mr. Dennis Daniel. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and children of all ages, you have tuned in to the hottest talk show on Blog Talk Radio. I am talking, of course, of The Dennis Daniel Show. I am your host. I'm kind of like the Vegeta of Blog Talk Radio because I'm always over 9,000 listeners. Dennis Daniel. And guys, you know, I am so excited to be doing an awesome interview with one of the true greats, in voice acting, who's who's blazed a trail for for many many voice actors like him to follow. Unfortunately, Mel Blank is dead, so we have to settle with our guest tonight. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm joking, but no, but seriously, tonight on the Dennis Daniels Show, I've got possibly one of the biggest voice acting talents to ever ever grace behind a microphone, and I am talking, of course, of voice acting great Christopher Sabat. Now, for those of you who might not know who Christopher Sabat is, and I, I say this from, from the bottom of my heart, you must have really had a sucky childhood because Christopher Sabat has been and will always be the prince of all Saiyans. That's right. I'm talking Vegeta from the very popular Dragon Ball Z. That's right, the, the spiky-haired guy who was always calling Goku Kakarot. I never knew why he kept calling Goku Kakarot. I mean, everyone else called him Goku, so, you know, why don't you hop on the wagon and call him that, too? And before we uh, before we go any further, I'd like to ask our audience and listeners to please refrain from the over 9,000 jokes. I mean, we've beaten that horse pretty bad. So let's let's try to let's try to rise above all the stereotypes that are forced on the anime community and uh, not use that reference too much in this program. However, you are encouraged to use the phrase "the balls are inert." 
because you know, that's a that's a that's another uh, another great line from another one of his awesome characters, the awesome Piccolo, the Namek from Dragon Ball Z, of course. The uh, he was awesome, you know. He he was powerful. He was wise, and and of course, you know, having that awesome outfit. That's that's a badass outfit. Little hat, little little cape, you know. I actually wanted to, to get one of those when I was when I was younger and I was watching this for the first time. I'm like, oh, dude, that Piccolo outfit, man, that outfit is bitching. I gotta, I gotta give me one of those. Of course, nowadays that wouldn't look so good. So we'll leave it to the to the skinny cosplayers. And then you've got, oh my gosh, you know, one of the greatest characters of all time, a real man's man, Alex Luis Armstrong from Full Metal Alchemist who I consider the Hulk Hogan of anime just because of, of the blonde mustache, the, the, the big roaring muscles, the 24-inch pythons, and, of course, the pink sparkles. And, yes, ladies, real men wear sparkles. Deal with it. But, um, of course, he's done so many great roles, and, of course, I, I can't do justice just talking about them. So what I did was I put together a small demo reel of some of his better-known roles. Let's take a quick listen to what makes Chris Sabat so incredible. Dotson City, a town clinging to the threshold between heaven and hell, where the peace of its human inhabitants is regularly threatened by foul-tempered evil spirits. A faded darkness lodged in the cracks of troubled souls will obstruct this town today, unnoticed, silent, deadly. However, there are some who wield a light beyond all human understanding and ascend their stools of righteousness to eradicate those shadows bound by the bowels of hell. But who could have been given the duty of eliminating this darkness? Are they servants of God or minions of the devil? Do I take form as a noble? Oh, foxes, treacherous beasts. They'll still do anything that makes their lives easier. That's why they hired samurai to defend Kana for them. It's your village. Put your own stinking lives on the line. But oh no, they never do that. Sure, they'd sweat all day in the fields for their darling right, but they won't risk their blood for it. Allow me to explain what happened. I was on my way here, when a sudden chill in the air caused me to transform. In my search for heat, I sensed a warm body drawing near, and naturally I clung to it. I suppose you could say it was instinct. <laughs> Greetings, everyone. And how have you been, little brother? I heard you on my way in here. You say you're an agent of God. Well, then why don't you try passing judgment on me? That's Alex Louise Armstrong, the strong-arm alchemist. Don't pray just yet. You're facing the technique that's been passed down the Armstrong line for generations. That's hardly a blessing. It's true what you said. The opposite of creation is destruction, and both must be served. Destroy and create. It's the grand currency of the universe, and it's the charge of the Armstrongs to carry out both! There is one thing I'd like to know. Tell me, will I meet that clown Kakarot in the other world? Goku devoted his life to protecting the lives of others. Because of his selflessness, when he died, he was allowed to keep his body and travel to King Kai's planet. You, on the other hand, have spent your life in pursuit of your own selfish desires. You've caused too much pain. When you die, you will not receive the same reward. Oh well. So be it. <laughs> you are a 
a fool. I'm going to crush you and throw you into the wind. Trunks, Bulma, I do this for you. And yes, even for you, Kakarot. Right there, right there, ladies and gentlemen. If that does not explain why Chris Savitt is one of the greatest voice actors to ever come out of voice acting, you know, then maybe you should just go get examined. Because, I mean, that's not even the tip of the iceberg when it comes to Chris Sabat. I mean, according to Behind the Voice Actors, he has 477 credit, credited roles so far to his name. And, I mean, we're talking all kinds of great characters. We're talking, um, we're talking both Eternal Dragons. We're talking, oh uh, boy, uh, who else is there that we can't, I mean, again, we have a lot to cover. Um, uh, Ayame from Fruits Basket. And uh, Ayame, quit looking at me like that. You know, you know, when you interview these people, these characters start following you, you know, get them out of there. But um, anyway, again, I'm not doing enough justice just talking about it. So why don't we just go ahead and get this guy out? Oh, boy, this is going to be a good show. My guest tonight is a very prominent voice actor, best known as Vegeta and Piccolo from Dragon Ball Z. And if you haven't seen any of the shows that he's on, well, maybe you should watch Toonami, especially starting next Saturday when One Piece returns to Toonami, which he is Renora Zoro. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, give it up for the one, the only Mr. Christopher Sabu! Sabbath, thank you, and welcome to the Dennis Daniels Show. Wow, that was awesome. Like, I, I felt like my entire anime career flashed before my, my ears. Oh, no, no, uh, no, 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 not, not even close, Mr. Sabbath. That's just, the, that's just some of the highlights. Again, over 470 roles that you're credited so far to having, and that's probably a whole bunch of stuff that we, there's probably a whole bunch of stuff we haven't even heard yet. And, and that's why that you're one of my all-time favorite voice actors, especially because growing up in high school, Dragon Ball Z was a mainstay. And this was this was during the, the Android saga when I started getting into it real heavy. And, of course, you know, my favorite of all time, I love Goku, but my all-time favorite was Vegeta just because he was a natural-born badass. Yes. I, you know, a lot of people have asked me what my favorite character is. And even if I hadn't played Vegeta... I still would have said Vegeta. And I don't know if it's because I've played Vegeta for so long that I feel this way, but I can't stand Goku at all. I just don't like him as a character. Does that make sense? Uh, he's just, he's not the kind of person I'd want to hang out with. I'd rather hang out with Vegeta, even though it would probably be far more dangerous. Uh, I'm, just not a, I'm just not a Goku guy. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Again, Goku and Vegeta are like oil and water. They're just, they're just, they just don't, they, they don't connect. They're like Windows and Mac. Well, unless you have, unless I guess the fusion would be the boot camp to let you run Windows on it. So <laughs> that's a great computer analogy. I don't know why no one gets that one. Wow. But, um, but again, I, I gotta say, you know, 
I, I, I've said this a thousand times about you. I think that you are the backbone of not only Dragon Ball Z, but a lot of the great things that come out of Funimation. And I don't just mean for voice acting, but we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the program. So what got you interested in acting? I had no idea that I wanted to be a cartoon or anime voice actor when I was younger. But oddly enough, I did do a fair bit of it. I had very strict parents who would ground me if I even got like B minuses. They were really, really super strict. And one of the things they ground me from was television. So I wasn't really allowed to watch it, but I had figured out that if I put these giant headphones on and sat in the lazy boy in a certain way, I could still see the TV in a reflection off of the fireplace. So I would technically watch TV, but I wouldn't be able to hear any of the audio from it. So I would just try and dub in my own voices myself. And I don't know if that was some sort of just uh, foreshadowing or something, uh, but it ultimately, I can't say that that really led to my career. I ended up, I started, as, I guess, as a, a singer. I was a music major at the University of North Texas studying opera because they gave me a lot of money to study opera there. And after about a year of music school, I realized man, I don't like doing this at all. Because my voice teacher would sit around saying, hey, you know, you probably should not go out much. You shouldn't really drink that much beer. You shouldn't really uh, ever be around anyone that's smoking any cigarettes. You shouldn't really talk very loudly. And uh, you shouldn't drink coffee or sodas. And you should probably go to bed around 9 o'clock. And I realized suddenly that that absolutely was not the career path for me. So I uh, switched my major to radio, television, and film and studied, uh, got my associate's degree, actually, in radio, television, and film in Houston. And after that, went to go work for a bunch of radio stations because I thought, well, maybe radio is the thing for me. Because when, you when you're born with a voice like I have, and I'm, not, I'm actually not bragging just yet. Give me a moment. Uh, when you're born with a voice that's relatively deep, because my voice now is only... Uh, is, is not that much different than it was between 6th and 7th grade. I had an obnoxiously low voice. A lot, a lot of people have said, well, you should, you should go into radio. So I thought, well, maybe that's that's the thing for me. So I went to school, radio, television, film, started working for a bunch of radio stations. And after working for them a while, I, I, uh, I realized that the fun in radio just wasn't quite there anymore. It was fun back in the 70s and maybe the early 80s. But after that, uh, all the large companies started buying up all the radio stations all over the world. And you were just basically reading little sentences off of a piece of paper. It just wasn't as much fun as I thought it was going to be anymore. And as I went back to Dallas at the University of North Texas to finish my degree in radio, television, film, I was a semester away from graduating when I got a page. I don't know if some of your listeners even have a clue what that is. It was a large device that you have to wear essentially on your belt or pants. It was about the size of a huge packet of cigarettes that would vibrate if you had a call. Then you had to go find a phone somewhere to call a person back. The page was from a girl named Carly Hunter. And Carly Hunter was probably the third employee of Funimation Productions, the company that owns all the anime now. And she, she said, well, there's a... We're doing this show, working on this 
cartoon. It's a Japanese cartoon, and I've been I've been spending every day painting the panties out of it so it's appropriate for television and changing hell to HFIL, and so it's all uh, appropriate for five-year-olds. And we're we're doing this test, and my boss wanted to know if you're interested in coming in and auditioning for it. And at the time, I really didn't know what it was. I asked her, like, what, what is this stuff? She goes, well, it's called anime. It's like, oh, you mean like Japanimation? Yeah, that's, yeah I'm, I'm totally versed in that. I've seen Ghost in the Shell. I've seen Akira. I've pretty much seen everything, uh, right? And and so I went in and confidently auditioned in front of a few people. And I booked the role of Igor and Yamcha in a little Dragon Ball movie called Sleeping Princess in Devil's Castle. At the time, Funimation was just a really tiny company. And I, uh, and they were recording basically everything into, I've said this before, but like they were recording everything into a toaster and a, and a microwave connected by string. It was a really, really small place at that time. So I played those two characters, and about a month later they said, all right, uh, we really like the work you did for us, and we were interested in seeing if you might want to help us cast and direct the full show. And at, uh, at the time I hadn't experienced much of any Dragon Ball Z, and I uh, thought about it. I thought, well, I've got one semester left in college to get a piece of paper that can give me a job in production. Or I can take this job in production. So I took the production job and uh, for a little bit of money. It wasn't really that much. And I was hired to try and fill the shoes of the Canadian cast of Dragon Ball. Because if anyone's really into Dragon Ball Z or watched a lot of it back in like the late 90s, they knew that at one point, you guys would know that at one point the voices changed. And that's because the original cast of Dragon Ball for about the first 68 episodes was in Canada. Okay. They were having a hard time. Yeah, they were having a hard time casting or keeping a Goku, really, because they'd get involved in some film or some other show. And they went through like three or four Gokus. And finally, Funimation said, maybe we should just do it all here in Texas. So they asked me if I'd come help cast and direct it. And that's kind of what started the path that led me to talking to you today. Does that help? That's perfect. I mean, from what I've heard, I think you should have gone back to your opera teacher and just told him to go to hell. <laughs> exactly. Dude, uh, opera singing, I have a lot of respect for it. I have a lot of friends that do it. It just absolutely was not the thing for me. It just wasn't. Like yeah. I just couldn't handle it. Because I've got uh, a creepy mental image of uh, if you did stick with that, we would be hearing it's over nine thousand. <laughs> exactly, it's over nine thousand. Um, it was. It would have been. Uh, it would have been a very different world had I had taken that path instead. Yeah, well, really. But yeah, man, I can't believe. So you said, I guess I've never heard that uh, figure that I've done like four hundred something voices. That's pretty cool. I, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like it yeah, you, backs up after a while. It does, it does. I mean, you've done again a variety of characters that are are just staples in the anime industry, and uh, I guess we're going to get to talking to one right now. BlogTalkRadio.com. This is the Dennis Daniel Show. We've got voice actor Christopher Sabat on the air. Stay tuned to find out how you can talk to him a little later on in the program on the Shrimp Line. Well, anyway, uh, getting into this one, one of your best known character, well, two of your most iconic roles 
are, of course, Piccolo and Vegeta from the iconic Dragon Ball Z. Um, what, is it, what was it like working on the original Dragon Ball Z? And uh, what did you think of, 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 I guess, voicing two parallel characters? So let's go ahead and uh, let's start with Piccolo because Piccolo is like the calm, collective, meditative one. Because, again, Piccolo and Vegeta, oil and water. Piccolo is, uh, is was a very difficult character to wrap my head around because, as I said, I jumped into the series during the Dragon Ball Z saga. And when we first started working on this show, there was really not much Internet to speak of. And there wasn't a lot of translated manga either. And Funimation certainly didn't know a ton about the Dragon Ball series when they started Dragon Ball Z. So... He was, he was a difficult character to wrap my brain around because sometimes Piccolo's really evil and sometimes he's just basically Gohan's trainer if Gohan was a dog. Because he's like, Gohan, go, Gohan, stay, do it, don't do it. Kill him, don't get him. Who's um, a good Gohan? Who's a good, you're a good Gohan. Exactly. Come down here, Gohan. Um, so, and there were moments in the show where you, you'd think Piccolo was a good guy again. But then... There was a scene, I remember Bulma trapped with him kind of on a spaceship, and she starts freaking out. I'm like, what are you, what's going on here? But Nicholas is a pretty decent guy, right? Anyhow, um, yeah, and then he has all these crazy transformations, and he absorbs other characters. And uh, But he was far more relaxed, you could say, than Vegeta was, that's for sure. So he's a, definitely an easier character to play in that regard. But, um, yeah. So yeah, I, I I really like Piccolo just because you know, and of course for those who who are wondering why was she screaming because if those who had seen the original Dragon Ball they would have known about the evil King Piccolo and how Pic- the current Piccolo that we know today and know and love is the uh, is the son of the evil King Piccolo. And uh, again, if you guys if you guys need to learn more about this, watch watch it on Funimation. Just just we we've only got a, like like a little bit of time for this interview, so I can't go into the, the DBZ <laughs> anthologies here. So but that would take years. Yes, but um, but going on to Vegeta. Vegeta, of course, you know, natural born badass, like I've said a thousand times. But you know, he he's he's really changed over the course of the series. You know, you know, it's been really up, down, up, down, up, down. I mean, you look at at guys like Piccolo and Goku and Gohan. You know, they pretty much stay the same. But Vegeta has had such an erratic storyline in the series. So what was it like to voice him, especially with all these different storylines he was going through? Man, voicing voicing Vegeta in Dragon Ball Z was, I think, well, I mean, obviously, it's, it, was, it was as cool as watching Vegeta transform. Because when, I, I'm, I'm going to have to keep hearkening back to this to explain that when we first were working on the series, our access to the entire storyline of Dragon Ball Z and all of the episodes. I can tell you stories about how, you know, we didn't have all of the episodes when we first started dubbing Dragon Ball Z. We only had maybe a third of it or half of it. So I didn't know what Vegeta's path was going to be uh, as I was voicing this. So, and we were working so fast at one point, trying to race the clock to get these episodes done so they could get on television on time. Um, I didn't have a lot of time to do a, a ton of research to figure out where he was going. So I was sometimes just as surprised as the audience was about things that might happen to him. And when you play a character like Vegeta, you, I mean, you can't, you have no choice but to get into your character. 
you're I'm angry after I after a long session of playing Vegeta. I'm not a nice guy to be around, honestly. I mean, just I'm angrier. I'm mad at everyone. People just know to kind of stay away from me. So in moments where Vegeta would uh, transform into a new type of sand or ascend to a new level, it was really exciting for me. And when he yeah, when he finally meets his adversary Frieza and he's pretty much done for in the middle of the Android saga, it was really sad for me. I mean, there were all these emotions that Vegeta was having. I was sort of experiencing too, um, and all of like, just like everyone else who watched the show, I really wanted Vegeta to be a, a better person. But I guess I understood kind of why he was so bad to begin with. If you think about it, he had kind of the worst childhood you could have. I mean, I don't think there is a worse childhood. Anyone uh, could go back and research some of this, but essentially, Vegeta is a kid or a guy who, when he was a child, he was the, the prince of an entire planet, except his whole planet's destroyed, his dad's destroyed, and he's raised by the, the person that killed everyone in his entire race. So it doesn't sound like a, like a stable home environment, really. So you can understand where the guy is coming from. Um, I really felt that Vegeta was just, and it was just a gift for me to play him. And I'm still, to this day, you know, there's there's talk of more Dragon Ball Z here and more Dragon Ball Z there. I, they'll never, it'll never go away. It seems uh, Dragon Ball Z is kind of like when they blast one of the enemies in Dragon Ball, and there's a lot of smoke, and they think it's gone, and then when it comes back, it's still standing there and uh, like sweat dripping off of it, and it's still alive. It's kind of what the Dragon Ball Z series is. Yes, well, again, again, right here, the backbone of Dragon Ball's and the Dragon Ball franchise, ladies and gentlemen. Again, you know, I used to think Vegeta was, you know, just this guy who didn't care about anything else. But then w- during the Cell games, when Cell kills Trunks, Vegeta shows the, the emotion and compassion that the father would show when losing his son. And he, and, and he tries to avenge Trunks. And I'm like, yeah, all, all right, you know, he's got some... You know, he does care about people. He isn't a cold-hearted guy. And then Majin Buu Saga, he blows up half the tournament audience. So yeah, I, lose well. I lose it again. But then, but then, he sacrifices himself to destroy Majin Buu. And he turns into stone and goes... Poof. So then I'm like, again, okay, okay, you know. All right, all right, he did redeem himself. Okay, so I'll... Again, that's what's so great about Vegeta. He's just, he's he, a Rubik's he Cube of emotion. He's a rounded character. I mean, compare him to compare him to the main character Goku. Goku is a tiny child who gets hit on the head, and instead of wanting to destroy the whole planet, he's like eternally kind of nice and stupid. And he's that way throughout the whole series. Like the end of the Dragon Ball Z series to me was very unfulfilling when he just like, hey guys, thanks a lot, it's been cool, see you later. Oh yeah, I've got kids to raise, but whatever. Um, like a big middle finger I, I don't to the audience. I think, I think Vegeta was far more responsible. Uh, in the in the long run, yes, because like you were saying, you know, Goku hit his head, became nice. Vegeta, 
cold at the beginning because he lost everything that he held dear, raised by the guy that took everything he held dear, eventually learns the, the, the feelings of, of compassion and kindness. And, you know, it, it started to kind of sound like a My Little Pony episode, but you know, <laughs> don't, don't worry. Yes, yes, I've seen the videos of him, of Vegeta, saying a letter to Princess Celestia. That, that, that's, pretty, that's pretty crazy stuff right there. But, again, he learns, you know, about human compassion. He learns that, you know, life is more than just the next battle that's over the horizon it's about you know friends and family and good times and uh, sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name <laughs> i have no idea where that's coming from i know where that reference came from I, I know i know i'm glad you get it hope wonder if our audience will get it but um you know vegeta has just you know he's evolved over over the um over the series and i don't mean power wise i mean you have the power level and the strength of his body but then you also realize he's got an incredible power level level for the strength in his heart and there, yep. that, that pretty much sums up Vegeta right there. That's why I just love him because you, because he's just a well-rounded guy that everyone can love. You can you can boom when you meet him, but you end up loving him in the end, and that's what really makes it great. But then again, yeah, Goku leaving at the end of GT that was kind of the big middle finger of the audience. I mean, they would have been better off just ending the ending the series like an episode of The Sopranos. But I'm like, <laughs> I'm like. I'm like well, where are you going? We've still got like a bajillion episodes to shoot, and I'm like, oh, forget it. But um, it, it was a. Re- I that's, that's why we. That's why people don't talk about Dragon Ball GT. <laughs> oh, i i It wasn't that bad of a series, though. Maybe people. I mean, we... it was what it was. I mean, it really didn't have a lot of Akira Toriyama or any of Akira Toriyama's true involvement, but he. Uh, you know, it was a continuation. It was kind of what people wanted at that time. So I guess that there were there were some good moments. And hell, Vegeta grows a mustache, and you can't argue with that. I'm trying to figure out how how a Gillette would even even be able to trim that stuff. I mean, I mean, so look, we're trying to be the best a man can get, but I mean, that thing you try shaving, <laughs> oh, razor's broken. Yeah. And Super Saiyan, it's just like this long yellow. Beard, I guess. I don't know. And then, you, um, and then he turns into that giant golden monkey, and, and he gra- I think he grabs Goku, and I'm surprised Goku didn't go, get your hands off me, you damn dirty ape. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah Charlton Heston reference. That 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 would be that that that's great right there. But again, you know, I th- and we were talking about this with Eric Vale last year on the program. Dragon Ball GT could have just been a branch off. Could just could have been a continuation of Dragon Ball Z. They didn't have to make it its own little program. They didn't have to make its own little series. It could have just continued on the on there. But then again, with the way it turned out, kind of glad they kept that away from the from the from the gem of anime, Dragon Ball Z. Oh, yeah. I mean, at that point, Akira Toriyama had been working on the series for such a long time. And he really, I mean, he really wanted to end Dragon Ball Z at the end of the Cell Saga. Uh, He was begging for them to say, please stop. Like, I I can't do this anymore. Um, And they begged him to continue on and on and on and ended up going all the way through the Boo Saga. Um, So I think at that point, he just, you know, 290 four episodes later, he just finally had to throw in the towel and say, you guys do this. I'm not in it anymore. Yeah. yeah. I mean, hey, hey, you know, they say that sometimes the greatest shows can, can go bad if they feel like they're stretching on and 
Unfortunately, with, with Dragon Ball Z GT was that that thing that it's just it's just time to to wrap it up. But fortunately, for those for those of the audience who don't like watching the entire filler episodes, there's there's actually Dragon Ball Z Kai, which is like a little mini Dragon Ball Z vitamin. And I actually just heard a couple of weeks ago that you guys have gotten the green light to dub the Boo Saga. So is there any uh, any uh, update you can give to us on the recording of Kai for the Boo Saga? Well, I don't really know a whole lot about that yet. I've heard those, I've kind of heard those same rumors, and I think it might have started where um, I do know that the Japanese have been working on the second part of Kai, and they're not going to release it in Japan, from my knowledge. They're not going to actually, they're not, they're not even uh, piecing it together for the Japanese market. They're piecing it together for someone else, and I'm crossing my fingers and hoping that it's for us. I really, um, it only makes sense to me that Funimation would, would want this. It's just a, I don't know the formal details yet, so when I know more, I'll let you know. Let's, let's, let's pray we don't see Dragon Ball GT Kai. <laughs> oh, God. That turns into like eight episodes show that, over. That'd be okay with me. They just do the papara para guys and then just call it a day. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can see that. Blog Talk Radio, this is the Dennis Daniels Show. We've got Christopher Sabat on the air, best known as Vegeta and Piccolo from Dragon Ball Z. And you can catch Dragon Ball Z Kai every Saturday morning at 10.30 a.m. on the Vortex. And that's obviously, it's right there, right next to your WWE Saturday Morning Slam. That's the best hour of television you can find on Saturday morning. But uh, anyway, moving right along, alongside the different characters you've played in the Dragon Ball series, you've also worked as a line producer and a voice director for the series. How does it feel to know that you're a major part of the Dragon Ball Z lineage, and do you prefer producing and directing on Dragon Ball over the voice acting? Man, uh, I really, I do like directing. I love telling people what to do. Producing is just a bunch of number crunching and telling uh, directors what to do. And it's, I like actually wearing multiple hats. Uh, I like, I like being, I, I like having control over things, but not, uh, I don't know. It's, it's really hard to say what I like more. I think the thing I like about what I do the most is that I, I can do so many different things on any given day. The voice acting is really fun um, because I, I never know you know, on any given week, if I'm going to be playing like a pirate with green hair, or if I'm going to be playing like a seven-foot-tall black guy, or if I'm going to be playing like a, a tiny red frog, or, you know, uh, an effeminate, like, cross-dresser. You, like, that's the fun part about being the voice actor. However, I'd like to be making some other creative decisions, because as a voice actor, you get to be somewhat creative with the way you read your lines. But you don't get to cast other people, and I do enjoy uh, casting other people and working with those people as well. If I wasn't a voice director, I wouldn't really get a chance to meet a lot of the other actors because dubbing can be a very solitary thing. You typically have a session just between you and the director. Um, the actor and the director and the engineer are in the booth by themselves. So as a voice director, you actually get to meet all the other actors and all the other producers that so I don't know what I would drop if I was forced to drop one of them but I think you'd have to yeah I think you'd have to pry the voice of Vegeta from my cold dead hands if you ever tried to take him away from me so I'm gonna have to say that, that maybe voice acting is the one thing I could never give up when when, when tried 
Chris. Would not try it to, to even an inch of my life. I try to get close. You go back off to this. I'm like, oh, okay, okay, okay. I'm going away. Okay. Okay. But um. Okay. Anyway, another popular role you're known for, and this is by far, you know, if Vegeta is my first favorite character you've done, this is my second. Um, another fa- popular, another popular role you do is Alex Luis Armstrong from Full Metal Alchemist, possibly, which I call the Hulk Hogan of anime. Uh, what do you think of of your character, and how did you come up with that that booming dynamic voice? Well, I gleaned a lot of inspiration from the Japanese voice of Alex Louise Armstrong. And, uh, oh my gosh, sometimes I can remember that actor's name. Right now, it's escaping me. But if you listen to the Japanese version of that show, it's hard not to want to emulate what he was doing. And if you look at that character, I just can't even see him any other way. Uh, (laughs) The big sparkles, he's never wearing a shirt. Um, if you be kind of a very a very awkward person to um be a very, very awkward person to know in real life. He's uh I don't know, the the voice came from just listening to the original uh actor and then just putting my own spin on it. I I, I don't know what else to say. You anyone who's seen Alex Louise Armstrong knows that he's a very cute, broad, expressive person. And um uh, I took one look at him and said, "Yes, that's the voice he needs." And uh, he was a he was a fun character to play. Again, uh, I wished he had more to do with the original series. I was very happy when they brought up the Brotherhood series because he had a lot more to do with it. Alex Louis Armstrong had a lot more involvement in that show. So then he got beat up by his sister, and that's screwed up. No one, no one screws with Armstrong. That, that, I, I will take that to the bank. No one screws with <laughs> Alex Armstrong. Again, the Hulk Hogan of anime, and I use Hulk Hogan because I don't think many people are going to understand superstar Billy Graham. But again, I loved Armstrong. I, I, I emulated you doing Armstrong, and I and when I was doing cosplay, I, I did an Alex Luis Armstrong cosplay, and I did the the heritage of the Armstrong family line for generations will continue to never die. <laughs> yep, that's I, it. I just I, I loved it. I, I had the little little muscle muscle suit, and I had I took some some a wire, and I put little cardboard pink sparkles with little glitter on them, and that was that was truly awesome. I actually still have my um my Armstrong gauntlets, and I I, I that I was a really cool character, and I loved Armstrong so much because he was just so awesome. You know, he was a real man's man, and everyone says. Real men wear sparkles, and I'm not, I'm not denying that. He was so cool. So, and, and, and of course, people were thinking that he was gay. He was not gay. He could get any kind of tail. I mean, did you see his his other his other sister? Man, she was stacked. And if, uh, and if, yeah. if uh, well, I'm not saying it like that, Chris. But I'm saying, she, but- I'm saying, you know, he could get he could get any kind of pussy he wanted. He, he was a he was an effing beast, and he could. Oh, he, he was. Could, he was just, in fact, he probably got more of it because he had something that girls actually really like. He's extremely emo at the same time. He's like this super, super emo tough guy. He could cry at any moment, uh, yet he could flex and he could uh, destroy you in the next moment. His tears just, were manly. He had manly tears. I mean, yeah, again, his tears had muscles. I mean, Alice Louise Armstrong, a real man's man. And I will and and I will take that to my grave. I will take that. I just again, 
I like Alex Armstrong, so sue me. But um, anyway, moving right along, of, co- of course, um, we heard the major announcements a couple weeks ago. Toonami is putting it back on the air. One Piece, the Funimation dubbing, not the four kids dubbing. Sorry, guys. I know that was a real buzzkill for a lot of you guys, even though a lot of the voice actors were really nice. Uh, next Saturday, May 7th, no, May 18th, on Funimation, next Saturday, May 18th, Funimation returns. One Piece to Toonami, and they're going to be a bit of a way in there. And you played the uh, iconic Renora Zoro. So what is it like working on the program, and what do you think of your character? Oh, my gosh. I, I, when you start listing all these characters I've played, I, I'm always reminded as to how lucky I've been. Uh, Zoro is another one of those great characters. He rem- he's another anti-hero type of character. I play a lot of those guys. I somehow relate to them for whatever reason. He's, um, you know, he's sort of the sidekick to the main character, and he's, in my opinion, the best character you can possibly play in that series uh, because you still get to ride the boat, but you don't always have to talk a whole lot. So he gets to just hang out, go to sleep, drink a beer, be a badass, find another sword somewhere, do some sort of random technique, uh, and then go back to sleep. It's like Amy Quinn. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a huge fan. Uh, we've been working on that show for a really, really, really long time, and it's exciting to actually see it finally get back on TV again. The the other dub was, you know, it was unfortunate, and it's just I, I have a feeling that uh, there are people out there who question why it actually got switched to Funimation or why it was taken away from four kids. And I think that, uh, you know, there's some people who really did not like that other dub, uh, and I and I can sometimes defend it by saying that Four Kids wasn't necessarily trying to make an anime for the anime community. They were trying to make One Piece a very popular show for younger American kids, and uh, it just unfortunately didn't work uh, as well as they'd hoped. So I, it's nice to have it back, though. I know an interesting story. I think before Four Kids had that show, Funimation had done a test episode that we were all part of. Uh, we were basically testing to see, I wasn't a part of the decision-making uh, process here, but we were part of the uh, production team that uh, dubbed an episode just to see what it would be like. And I remember when I found out we were going to be working on that episode, I started finding the manga and reading some of it, and I really, really got into the show a lot. And uh, I, I ultimately, I think Funimation took a look at it at that time and said, wait a minute, so this kid gets shot with guns, uh, and stabbed with knives. Maybe this isn't the best show for us to take right now. And uh, I think that's how four kids ended up with it. That's a little bit of trivia there. So that's why Sanji had a lollipop instead of a cigarette. Exactly. I, I don't know. I kind of, you know, I wasn't really a big fan of, of, of One Piece when four kids had it. But, you know, there was just something about the guy that did Sanji making him sound like an Italian mafia member. You go, hey, Luffy, I'll make you a side dish you can't refuse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's right. it, it, it was really a creative dub. It was really, like, it was very creative. It just wasn't entirely accurate, which I think made some people really upset. Well, it's like a, it's like the original voice of Luffy, Erica Schroeder said. You know, you had kids at, at nine in the morning on a Saturday. You know, you can't show them all the blood and gore, so they they really had to water it down. But you know, oh, I, of course. while I am while I am happy that Funimation got it and can present it in the true way that it is, Nami's breasts and all, 
there's I know, I know. I'm I'm a breast man, Chris. Haters gonna hate, but um, you know, I am I am really sad that the show that four kids did really got a negative review. I mean, when you had such great voice actors on that program, I mean, you had Erica Schroeder, you had Veronica Taylor, people who made the Pokemon series the gym that it was until they until four kids lost the rights to that show and it became kind of a train wreck. But you know, again, I'm glad it's it's back on Tsunami. Uh, didn't uh, Sean Schimmel do the voice of uh, Usopp? Was it was it, was he not the voice of Usopp? Hang on, let me uh, let me take a quick look here. Uh, let me see if I can I find the... it right now. But I think he might have uh, been Sean Schimmel. Uh, for anyone out there who's interested, is the voice of Goku. Um, I I, I, I know you don't like Goku, but but you like Sean, right? Oh uh, yeah, I do like Sean. Okay, good. Okay, good. Uh, Sean okay. and I actually have a very Vegeta and Goku like relationship, though. Uh, we don't, I mean, we don't beat each other up, but it's funny. Sean's very, very kind about everything, and I'm more of a, no, screw it, do it this way kind of guy. Yeah, actually, he he wasn't Usopp. It was Jason Anthony Griffith. Sean actually played Helmeppo, Hotchan, Chabo, Kurobi. That, Helmeppo was the one I was thinking of. Yeah. Helmeppo, yeah. yeah. Yes, uh, yes. Um, forgive me yeah, if they I... had a great cast. I mean, all those guys out there, so, up there are so freaking talented. Um so and I and then the, they never had a choice in the matter. I mean, they're just actors, man. They want to get roles. So when four kids came to him and said, "Hey, be as creative as possible," they just threw out whatever they could throw out, and uh, to get a role. And I'm I'm I have no problems with that. Yeah, but I, I'm glad you guys you know got the roles. You as Zoro, Eric Vale as Sanji, uh, Colin Clickenbeard as Luffy, uh, Lucy Christian as Nami. I think you know those you guys right there for established voice actors in the anime industry for you know for gems of the Funimation dynasty you've all been on all these great shows put together you know i think i think again this is why i think Funimation is is the leader of some of the finest anime dubbed and subbed that you're going to find in this country because of guys like you who put all the time into making sure it's 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 as close to the original story that you guys can make it without being over the top, even though that's what a lot of people want to see. You guys put the time to, to, to look at your characters, look at the dialogue, make sure that, that you don't sound like crap so we don't have another four-kid fiasco. And again, you know, I just think that you guys just did so much more justice with One Piece than four kids had a chance to. And, and I think that when it comes back on next Saturday, I think – Hopefully they'll get that series trending on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. But um, I think it will. I just hope it's. I just hope it's a hit. I'd like to see it. I'd like to see it. it, it like I'd like to see it hit. You know another show that I've worked on that Funimation uh, is responsible for, and I'm not promoting this in any way, shape, or form. Um, yes, you are. Least, you know, I'm not paid to promote anything. I know. I do love uh, Sergeant Frog. Uh, oh. I adore that show. So much. Like, I, I really love... I played Giro. He's like this angry red frog. If you've never seen it, it's a brilliant show. I, I wish that show could be more popular. Uh, yeah, I know one show that they're trying... That, that people want to see on Toonami is... And I can't believe I'm saying this. Panty and Stocking with Garter Belt. And when I... Oh, man. It, when I heard that it was going to be dubbed and they had a black guy in there, I'm like... You know, Chris Savage, he's got he's got to play Garter Belt. I mean, you are not going to find anyone who can do that deep, booming voice other than Christopher freaking Savage. I mean, Dude, I would have cried if they had not. Le- I mean, I haven't begged for a role in a long time, but when I found out that Panty and Stocking was coming, 
and they were having auditions. I I literally begged. And fortunately, I I I was in a very rare category of guys. There aren't too many people that have super deep voices. And not only did it need to be somebody with a really deep voice, they couldn't just pull some random dude off the street or like, you know, and there aren't a, I mean, let's be real here, there aren't a lot of, you know, black guys in anime. I don't know why, but there really aren't. So there's not a huge pool of black Funimation actors either. So when it all came down to it, man, I, I, uh, I threw out my best, and Colleen called me and said, you know, I'm going to use you on this, but you don't think that, you know, you being a white guy playing a black guy's voice is going to be offensive, is it? I said, if that's the only offensive thing you're worried about in panting and stocking, then I'm not worried about that at all. Because there's a lot more to be offended by by that show than than um, than me playing the voice of a black guy. Well, yeah, didn't you do a black guy in Dragon Ball? I, I know you did a black guy in Dragon Ball. I think it was Colonel uh, Colonel Blue from the Red Ribbon Army, and, and that was a black guy. You did him, and you did him great. So. Oh yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I in a way I was uh, I guess I was the original Mister Popo, and. Um, Pecking order. Yeah. Oh my gosh, those guys are awesome. You're talking uh, about the uh, the abridged dudes, yeah. the team with our guys. They're awesome. Yeah. I... <laughs> I promised myself I would not be referring to the abridgers. I, nothing against them. It's just trying to keep the show from the stereotypes that Dragon Ball C has now come around. That's why we're not. That's why we're trying not, trying not to get you to say over nine thousand. Because we're because I know if you had a nickel for every time you've had to say that, you could retire and move to Boca Raton. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I could move to one of over nine thousand places. Um, <laughs> It's too it's too hard not to, man. It's too hard not to. Oh uh, yes, um, yes. Uh, for those who uh, who've been listening to us for a while now, we actually used to have a segment on the program called "What Does the Scouter Say," where we would actually use this app for iPhone called Scouter Cam, and it worked like a little mini scouter, and we would take uh, pictures of celebrities and measure their power levels. And I would always, <laughs> and I would always go, Regina, what does the scouter say about their power level? And they go, it's forty five thousand three hundred. <laughs> it's over nine thousand. Yep. Uh, and we, I, we, I love that app actually. Yeah, that it is a great app. If you guys haven't gotten it, it's, it's like a buck on the iTunes Store. It was one of the first apps I ever got for my iPhone. It's a really cool app. You can have the Aura. I'll talk about. We talk, talk talk about promoting stuff now. <laughs> Uh, it's got it's got a great app. You can do aura. You can do the hair. You can just do the power level. It's got the little reader on the bottom. All it's missing are the cool sound effects that we all know and love from the series. Get that on there. Instant classic for the app store. So if you haven't gotten it yet, get it. But um, yes, yes, yes. I, we I've actually I've actually gotten to interview some of the of the abridgers, and I gotta tell you, for, for for the most part, some of them are just some of the greatest people you ever got to meet. And I will tell you what, and and this is it is from what I've seen. That Megami Thirty Three is just is someone else. Corinne is just a talent, and it, she's just really nice. She's the nicest girl you could meet, and and one, and I hope soon in the near future for the for the, even for the summer we can have Masako on. But, but um, of course you've gotten to work on some of the uh, a bridge series as um as as well, Chris. Or should I say? Hang on, hang on I had I had it here. Or should I say, uh, DJ Sexy Dillionaire? Yeah, that would be a DJ Sexy Dillionaire is my fake oh. credit name. It's, uh, by the way, just a, a, a bit of trivia. 
a sex sedillionaire, like S-E-X-C-I-D-I-L-L-I-O-N-S. Uh, a sex billionaire is a man with 10 to the 60th power worth of money. Uh, just as trivia. I find that ironic. Yeah. I would seen a list somewhere where it was like, I, at one point I'd seen some list where it was like millionaire, billionaire, trillionaire, and then it just started going up. It's all one of the highest ones I could find. Um, yeah, those guys are wicked talented. I'll actually be seeing them in a couple of weeks because uh, they're going to be in Dallas for Akon, and uh, I plan on spending some time with them. I, I, I got I to get on board this, this abridging thing. I, I've seen it, and uh, I've gotten to talk with Megami and Little Karibo and, and Masako, and I'm like, I'm like well, i got to get on this. I have no idea. I, I know I could do something in one of these abridged series. I, I just need someone to, to actually put me in one of them, for gosh sakes. I, I, I would love to be in one of them. But then again, yeah, I, what do I have to offer? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know the right people, so it's it's only a it's only a phone call away. Well, more of a Skype or Facebook poke, but you know, it's, but that's yeah. it's like anyway. Uh, moving right along, you know, outside of the voice acting and directing, you're also the founder and director of Okatron Five Thousand, which is a a voice acting production or a, a recording company based in Dallas, Texas. Can you tell us a little bit more about Okatron and uh, you know what, yeah. what some of the cool things that you do there? Well, we. I worked at Funimation for a really, really long time, and there was a point where the only position I could get where I could advance at Funimation was to get my boss's job. And I didn't really want my boss's job at the time because my boss was just a, like an executive producer, and his job really was just being in boring meetings all day. So I thought, well, where can I go from here? And we got to work around that time, we got to work on our very first Dragon Ball Z video game with uh, Dimps and Namco Bandai at the time. And it was in working on the voiceover recording sessions for that that I realized, you know what? I like anime, but my absolute true love was video games. I've always been a gamer. I've been a gamer since I was a kid. My dad was kind of a, a, a terrible form of a gamer. He would play Half-Life and he would literally save every 10 seconds he would have to stop his game and save it because he hated dying and having to come back and waste his time but he would buy us all the game systems atari and 2600 and in television and coleco and nintendo and i grew up on games and i realized that i'm as nerdy about games as the people that watch anime are about anime so i left funimation in about 2004 to start Okratron 5000, it's a video game company. Uh, we provide outsourced audio, voice, music, sound design for the video game industry. And it's been great. We've had a lot of fun doing it. We've got to work on such awesome titles. Um, I mean, we did, we've done sounds for Tony Hawk and Guitar Hero and uh, Aliens and, uh, gosh, the, the list goes on and on. Most recently, we finished all the voice work for Borderlands 2 and all the subsequent DLC. You mean the award-winning uh, Borderlands 2? That is true. Uh, I've won all sorts of awards, and Damian Clark even won Best Human Voice Male or something like that. And uh, it's, it was, that game is so awesome. If you haven't played Borderlands 2, you're nuts. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's uh, Ocatron is uh, staying busy. But these video game companies are huge, and they work on these games and 
takes him about, I don't know, two or three years to finish a single game. And in the first year and a half or so, they're not doing a lot of audio on it yet. They're working on art and story and, you know, gameplay and programming, and they haven't really gotten to the uh, the audio yet. So it's, it doesn't make sense for them to have audio people in-house all the time. So that's why they come to us to help us fill the gap when they need some extra people or when they need some sweet, sweet voices done, you know what I mean? Well, I got to say, I've seen a couple videos for Borderlands 2, and I, I think, and I'm not just brown nosing, I think Brina Palencia knocked it out of the part as Mad Moxie. That was just an incredible character and performance, and, you know, I, I told her that on when we had her on last year, and I just, and of course, the guy who's, who's directing a lot of this stuff, I got to tell you, you guys are doing some crackerjack work, and I take my uh, my invisible hat off to you. Oh, dude, do you know who deserves a lot of credit? In fact... I think even if if you polled all the actors, they would probably tell you that the reason why Borderlands 2 was so remarkably good was because of Anthony Birch, uh, the writer for the Borderlands 2 series. If you're not familiar with Anthony Birch, you need to look up a series. It's called Hey, Ash, What's Your Plan? Um, Are are you familiar with that? It's kind of a web series. uh, It's a dude and his... It's actually Anthony and his sister talking about games and Anthony Anthony's sister is actually uh in Borderlands 2 she plays uh, uh how was it uh, I just went blank on her name uh the, oh my gosh the little girl character uh the tiny I just went I uh, wish I had my computer hey, let me Google it. hang on let's see Borderlands 2 uh we'll do Wikipedia just be on the safe side and and what what yeah, what's her, tiny okay. Tina is her name Tiny Tina. Tiny, Tiny Tina is the name of the character she plays. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Well, I guess I guess we can push that. There you out go. Of the way. No, yeah, no need to do that. Yeah, she's uh, Anthony is amazing, and you need when you finish listening to this show uh, and whatever other subsequent shows you are have on your plate tonight, you need to go to hop h a w p dot com and or search for Hey Ash, what you're playing, and it is brilliant, absolutely brilliant, and you can tell that Anthony's sense of humor is all over Borderlands 2. He made the lines so easy to read because you were laughing so hard by the end of them. Uh, it was the only hard thing about it, just keeping from laughing during your lines instead of afterwards. It sounds like, you know, I mean, this game has gotten some really, really great reviews. I mean, IGN gave it a 9 out of 10. Uh, Computer and Video Games, 8 out of 10. It won several awards at the 2012 Spike TV Video Game Awards. For uh, best shooter, best multiplayer game, best performance by human male, and character of the year. I again, I, I think I it won best ensemble cast too. So uh, it, that's a testament to the strength of the, the Dallas voice acting pool. When when they first came to us uh, to do the voices for Borderlands, they uh, were wondering if they would even be able to find enough people in the Dallas area uh, to do it, and. I assured them that it was going to be pretty easy, and it was. Another one of my favorite characters is Torg, uh, Mr. Torg. He's played by uh, Chris Rager. Chris Rager plays uh, Mr. Satan or Hercule in the Dragon Ball Z series. Uh, if you if you like all the Dragon Ball Z voices, you're in good shape uh, with Borderlands too, because you'll hear everybody you like. Now available on multi-platforms, including PS3, Xbox, and uh, I think that's it. Well, and, and PC, maybe. 
And, uh, oh, and PC. And PC. Don't know about Mac, but it's on PC. Okay, 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 okay. Good, good plug there. Yeah, we're good. We got some good promotions here. Well, uh, anyway, are there any new shows or projects that you're working on that you can tell us about? Uh, that's the thing that sucks about working in the game world uh, is that every we can't even talk about these games until they're well in, in the can and released. So there NDA. are things I just can't talk about them. Ugh, and I've got NDA. You're going to be careful. God dang NDA. Yeah, stupid NDA. NDA, Wait, no, NDA. So, yeah, um, there's there's a bunch of stuff. There's, Funimation has a lot of great shows that they're working on that I'm excited to eventually tell people about. And there's a bunch of badass games in the coming down the pipe too. So, gosh, you did. yeah, I'm actually curious if if they've actually. If, I don't even know if Danix has done this yet. I don't even know if they if they've even done the part two for Panty and Stalking because. That I tell you what, I was not expecting that ending in Panty and Stocking. I was like, <gasps> and, and then like, oh yeah, like, like there's a pot. What the, 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 what the, f- was that? I'm like, I was not expecting that. Oh, by the way, spoiler alert: Stocking's a demon, which is like, what? No, but anyway, again, again, great cast on that one. Though I mean, corset couldn't see anybody else, but but um, Chris Hare's playing that that. Guy, Chris Ayers is, is just something else, and I couldn't. I, I mean, when I when I I see when I saw him as Frieza, I knew he had to be corset. I just just. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, again, great, great, great cast, great cast. I'm calling. You got me. You got Jamie Marchi. You got Monica Rial. You got you. And you know, again, like I said, if no one else could play Garter Belt, well, except for Samuel L. Jackson and Kevin Michael Richardson, but they probably weren't available at that time, so. But yeah, yeah. Again, again, again. I love the cast members in that show. I, Penny is talking was the show that I, I've had more fun dubbing that show than any other show because it was just. <laughs> There's just so much screwed up stuff in that series. I, I I don't even know. I don't even know how that got how that got past past the uh, past uh, the, the, the 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 security check getting in here. I have no idea. I'm watching that. I'm seeing crap I would never see in an anime. I mean, I'm seeing poop. I'm seeing semen. I'm seeing, you know, nudity. I'm seeing garter belt tied up. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm I'm like, oh yeah, you've seen nipples in nipples. garter belt nipples. That is, um, that show. I remember if you if you ever talked to Jamie Markey, um, she'll tell you that when she was adapting that show. The Japanese actually told her to. They encouraged her to be as disgusting as humanly possible with it. They they wanted her to actually be horrific with the language. She even made up a bunch of words that didn't even exist just so uh, just so they would be happy. Oh gosh, Japan! What what are you doing to our animes? Oh my gosh! Well, they're making it. Yes, they're, I they're can tell making, you that for one. But, but but what what the fuck? Seriously, yeah. I'm like, yeah, okay, okay, okay. A little blood, a little gore, a little cursing. That's okay. But this, you're gonna. I'm glad I wasn't eating anything when I was watching this show. So <laughs> that would have killed it forever with that. But again, 
that show is really, really well done. I mean, you see stuff in there you never see. I remember uh, one scene, uh, they actually looked like they were in South Park. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm like, beautiful. I'm like, that's beautiful, man. That's beautiful. And, I mean, it's a really well done show, and I would love to see part two. As would I. I've heard, I've actually heard all sorts of rumors, like tons of different rumors about what it's going to be. I mean, some uh, one person even told me they heard it was just going to be called like Garter Belt, featuring Penny and Stocking, um, because he, I guess, would sort of have to take over while we're searching for her. Yeah. But those, that's all just rumor, of course. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, we've got, before we go, we got a couple of listener questions. Uh, if you guys have a question for Chris, uh, be sure to give us a call at area code three four seven eight eight four nine one four nine, and we'll put you on the air again. That's area code three four seven. Eight eight four nine one four nine, and please keep the over nine thousand requests to a nil, please. Okay. Anyway, our first question is from uh, uh, Grill Draco Seven, and he want and um, and they want to know. I want to know what was your reaction to finding out that Vegeta and Bulma would end up together. Oh wow! Uh, I was a little shocked by that because Bulma was. Uh, one of the most horrifying characters in Dragon Ball to me. We, we had, I hadn't watched the Dragon Ball series, so I'd only watched Dragon Ball Z. I'm like, no, come on, seriously. Um, yeah, I think I was as, as shocked as uh, Vegeta was to find that out. I'm surprised he just didn't, like, kill himself right then. Uh, and then Trunks just disappeared like Marty McFly in Back to the Future or something. I'm like, I, I'm like... I like a, 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 wait, 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 him and her. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, it would be, I thought it would, I always thought it'd be funny if like this blonde uh, boy came from the future and he was like the son of launch or something like that. Uh, okay. And then all these kids from the future started showing up and saying they were Vegeta's son. I was like, Oh crap. Let's go to Maury. I, 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 I can see that. I can see that. In the in the case of in the case of seven future kids, Vegeta, you are the father. He does the he, then the, then they all get in his face and stuff. Or be funnier is if you are not the father and he starts doing this dance. He you know he blows a hole through the roof, flies out. But can you imagine him having sex? That has to be the most horrific, painful, and horrifying thing that you can imagine. Yeah, I can only I can't imagine that Saiyans were ever taught to do that for any other reason than for procreation. Gosh, I, I mean, you'd think Bull will be in traction for a year after that. Yeah, she'd be pretty damaged, I think. Gosh, um, I mean, I mean, oh gosh, oh god. I although feel- I could, I, it would be funny on the other hand, though, if Vegeta was like really like not good at it at all. He's like, uh, oh, I'm so you know this normally doesn't happen. I'm. T- <laughs> No. Oh, oh gosh! There goes, and then he goes, servant woman, give me a clean cloth. Yeah, <laughs> a clean cloth at once. Make it there pink. We, there, um, we, there, there we go. Gosh, I, you know, and that, and I really, honestly, I swear, I, I thought Bulma and Yamcha would have been together. I mean, I mean, those two just hit it off just like that, and then they hit it off and on and off and on and off and on and and yeah, and then, and then by the end of the series, I honestly thought that. Uh, I honestly thought that Yamcha was trying to hook up with Chi-Chi 
because he just basically turned into such a puss by the end of the show that he ended up sitting around hanging out with Chi-Chi waiting for Goku to die. Gosh. And here uh, you got a guy who who was a real big part of the Dragon Ball series. And yeah. you know, I, I loved the Wolf Fang Fist. And here you got a guy, now he's essentially become a minor character. Oh, yeah. He was bad. I guess, I mean, I've never had a hand through my chest either and had my heart ripped out by an android. So I don't necessarily know how that would affect me in the long run. Uh, Perhaps it's justified. Have you ever died awkwardly at the hands of a Cyberman? God, no. Yes, yes, yes. We don't forget. We forgive, but we don't forget. Yep. Okay, anyway, uh, moving right along. Uh, Nova 2 Ace Girl asks... Uh, could you ask him which of the voices he does, uh, which one, well, we already know that you like, I don't know, which, uh, which one do you like the most, and which one do you hate the most? Uh, let's see. I like all the voices I do, mostly because, you know, it's a job and it's awesome. Uh, I love playing Vegeta, as as I've discussed, as I mentioned before. That's He's my favorite character to play. I love playing Garter Belt. He's such a fun character to play. Um, I'll tell you, a character that gets on my nerves only because I just haven't seen enough of it to like him yet, but I really don't... I haven't found anything interesting about Elfman yet. In in uh, I, Fairy Tale, are you familiar with that show? Uh, I've heard of it. It kind of it reminds me of this other anime, Rave Master. It, it, it has that it has that, that rave master feel to it. I I, I have heard of fairy tale. I, I hear it's kind yeah. of a it's one of them weird it, I mean, shows. And Elfman's a beloved character, and he's very similar to like Armstrong in Full Metal Alchemist in a way because he's uh, he's really big and he's broad, but he's just such a one note character. And because I come in to play him and him only in that show, I don't really know a lot of the series. So all my lines like my my. Sessions go kind of like this. Like, All right, uh, Chris, uh, step on there behind the mic. Here you go. Uh, your first line. Be a man, man. Okay. Uh, your next line is uh, at the end of the script. Hey, man, be a man about it. And then the next line is, come on, that's not manly enough. Be a man. I mean, it's just a dude who just, all he says is be a man. And so uh, I, I, don't, I, I haven't gotten to the meat of his character yet. Hopefully, um I'll get to experience more of it later, but that's a character that I just haven't found anything to grab onto just yet, oh. other than my balls, because I'm a man. Yeah, man's man. Uh, gosh, from hearing that, maybe that show would have been better off with another Ayame Soma. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Gosh, I have no idea what that guy is. That guy's weird. Yes, he is. Either he, he, I don't know if he's trying to get with get with the girl, if he's trying to get one of, one of, the, of his brothers, or with another guy. I think I think he's polyamorous. Let's say that he likes everyone. So <laughs> yeah, that pretty much sums it up right there. That. Okay, well, um, anyway, Craig Cunningham, um, he he wants to know, could you ask him on his decision to slightly change the Vegeta voice during the Android saga of Dragon Ball Z, and then going back to the original voice in the Boo saga? Uh, that was, uh, that's actually part of the kind of something that happened during the series where we were recording so much of it so fast that 
my voice was getting trashed. It was just getting shredded every single episode. Because there were times where I'd spend 50 hours a week screaming in the booth just trying to get some of these episodes done. And I noticed someone pointed out to me, they're like, hey, man, you, you realize that your, your Piccolo voice and your Vegeta voice are starting to sound more and more similar. Because Vegeta, Vegeta's voice was getting lower um, and Piccolo's voice was getting higher because my voice was just sort of settling into this very sore place. And uh, so when we jumped back in for the Boo Saga, I kind of picked it back up a little bit again just to kind of give him a little bit more definition again. It's a very hard show to kind of keep your voice consistent, especially when you're screaming like crazy. Yes, but I think I think the best line Vegeta ever said in the series is, you are a fool. I'm going to crush you and throw you into the wind. That's just... That's poetry right there. That, that, that's poetry. That's beautiful. Brought a tear to the eye because, you know, he was making this valiant sacrifice. And I'm like, yes, yes. Yeah. Just, just a very, a very, very beautiful line. And, and of course, you, um, of course, uh, you know, doing Vegeta, you, you've, I, I've seen this at cons. I was actually at, um, I don't know if you remember this, um, I was at OhioCon in uh, 2005 or six. During your uh, panel, you start singing a, uh, uh, LL Cool J's uh, "Mama Said Knock You Out." Oh yes. Gosh, um, yeah. and I want to I want to go on the record as I was that guy who was uh, shouting out the lyrics, and I, I kind of want to apologize for that. That was a uh, that was stupid seventeen year old Denny, and not not not. <laughs> well. Well, I wanted to. No, well, no, it, it was it was rude, and it's been, it was been bugging me for for a couple of years now. You know, I I might have stepped on your toes, and I felt really bad about it. And I was going to say something to you at MatsuriCon last year, but I never got a chance to. So again, I apologize for the stupid shenanigans that seventeen year old Dennis had. But he he's back now, and he well he's still stupid, but he's not in your face or, or stuff like that. So I apologize. Oh, dude, it's fine, man. Like I, I I love. I like going to conventions. Everybody gets, like, really excited there, so you can't really be held responsible for anything that you or I might say at a convention, you know? Yes, but but as an adult, I do know when I have done wrong, and I and and that, and that was really bugging me for a very very long time. So again, I I wanted to apologize. I was going to say something before the interview, but you know we got disconnected and whatnot, and we lost track of time. But I I did want to apologize because I do have I, I have the world's respect for you because you're just a natural born badass. And you've done so many great characters that I've grown up watching, and that can that actually get me inspired to do a show like this. So, again, that's why I have a world of respect for you because, again, I don't think a lot of the shows that Funimation has produced would be the same if you weren't involved in it, even if it's oh, just to God. do line production, even if it's just to, to find the next cast. I mean, I, I mean, if you had someone else doing this, some of these classic shows probably wouldn't have come out the way they have. We'd probably be... We'd probably be listening to uh listening to um to Soul and and, and he sound like a redneck like a well we gotta get in there Soul Soul there <laughs> <laughs> I, man you could be doing some of the parody stuff you're pretty good at this um <laughs> no. no I really appreciate all the compliments seriously yeah. that's it's I'm shocked as to how long I've actually been working in this business no one's gotten sick of me at least too sick of me just yet they still keep giving me work and I really appreciate it. 
Well, um, our next question from Vu Manchu. Uh, could you ask him if you know anything about the upcoming DBZ movie Battle of Gods, if there's possibly a Funimation considering that considering dubbing it since they have done all the movies so far? I can tell you this, <clears throat> because I don't know anything official. I can tell you that Funimation, I'm sure, is considering it. I mean, I don't know why they wouldn't. Um, I don't know really kind of where they stand on it, though. I'm not sure what's going on with it right now. I'm sure that they want it, just like, well, I'm sure they've gotten my emails and my phone calls and my desperate begging on the phone to uh, get it if they haven't. But just like everything else, man, it's, it, I don't know anything until it happens. Until then, they should watch the they should watch the sweet live-action Dragon Ball Z movie that they made called Matrix Revolutions. Okay, good. I thought you were going to say Dragon Ball Evolution. I've been like, no! No. If you want to watch the real Dragon Ball Z live-action movie, watch Matrix Revolutions. That's the one. I, so. I saw I saw Evolution, and I, I think you know I I think some of some of me died inside when I saw that. Oh yeah. I'm like, Blue only has one blue streak of hair. What the fuck? I think they I think they published an apology before the 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 Dragon Ball Z live action movie in Japan. They, um, they should have they should have people should have sued for should have sued for damages done by that movie because that movie. I had high hopes for it too. I really did. Um, I was wondering how they'd pull it off, but I was—I really did have high hopes because I love Stephen Chow. I love Stephen Chow's movies. I think he's got a great sense of humor. He's really funny. Like Kung Fu Hustle was one of the best Chinese movies I've ever seen. Still is one of my favorite movies. And I, when I found out he was doing the the Dragon Ball Z movie, I thought, all right, like let's let's see how this works. Gosh, so. it, it, at least it wasn't M. Night Shyamalan. We, we would have had so many plot twists, we wouldn't even know what the hell's going on in the story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, uh, before we go, Chris, we'd like to ask this for all our uh, all our voice acting guests. We have a lot of people who are, uh, you know, aspiring voice actors, you know, people who are getting their, uh, getting their degrees in voicing and theater. Do you have any advice for those who do want to pursue a career in voice acting? Uh, well, persistence is going to be important and one thing i've definitely come to understand over the last you know 12 years of doing this so i've seen the industry change quite a bit and the people who are the people who are getting the work are the people who are making their own work and they're the people who are getting out there and just doing it you know um so i i think the the cool thing about living the age we do now is that you can kind of do this now. You can be a voice actor now. You can be a producer now. You can make your own series and you've got a giant audience to to share it with. Um, I can't necessarily encourage people like the Team Four Star guys to take a licensed show and uh, and take their copyrighted material and and use it. I would never encourage anyone to do that, but they did do something pretty rad with it, and it is a, it's a really darn good parody, and I think it's so good. That's why, you know, uh, Funimation maybe looks the other way. I don't know. But I, there's so many opportunities for people to be voice acting now. Uh, and my other uh, the other bit of advice would be to kind of move to wherever the market is. If, if voice acting is what you want to do, you got to get to California or New York or, or Dallas or maybe Houston uh, there aren't too many other places that dub anime, 
and certainly most of the voiceover work in the United States happens in California and in Dallas. Just be prepared because there's a lot of competition out there. And if you have the same voice as me, my advice is don't try. But that's only because I'm selfish. <laughs> that some really good advice. I, I probably don't have the same voice as you because I, I, I've tried doing Vegeta and it hurts really bad. I mean, I couldn't do the five minutes of ah. I mean, I mean, again, I, that's why I bow before your greatness. I can, I can imagine myself doing that and then watching my uh, larynx come out of my mouth and hit the little hit the little window that the producer is looking through. Because I, I, I could not do that. I, I I swear to my life, I could not do what you do. And again, again, that's why that's why Dragon Ball Z is such is such the hit it is today. Because guys like you are, you know, you guys are putting your your vocal cords on the line. I mean, there are voice actors who have shot their voices permanently, and you know, can't do the voices like they used to. So. Again, you're taking a really big risk with doing a lot of these, a lot of this screaming and a lot of this shouting. And again, again, but again, like I said, if it didn't have it, it wouldn't be the popular show it is today. If it weren't for the overactive fighting, the screaming, the the random gibberish that we don't even know what they're saying. And, and again, it comes to guys like you and Sean and and Sonny and uh, and uh, and uh, and Laura Bailey and. And Chris Ayers and, and and the original voice of Frieza, I can't whose name can't whose name eludes me, and and and, and Damon Clark and and I I think I I think I pretty much covered every oh and Stephanie Natalie for doing that you know too I think I've covered everybody have I have I covered everybody Chris I think you left out two names uh, but that's it I think you I think you listed out every single voice actor um, um, hang, uh, hang on I'll, I'll uh, I'll issue an apology them them later. Well, since yeah. we since we d- we did mention Team Four Star, Chris, do you think before we go we could get a God damn it Napa? God damn it Napa, get me off this phone. There we go. All right, all right, Vegeta, we'll do that. Well, anyway, guys, uh, if you haven't seen Dragon Ball Z yet, you can check out Dragon Ball Z Kai Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. on the CW Vortex. Uh, you guys can check out all the great shows that are on Funimation.com. You know, pick up some DVDs at your local anime conventions. Uh, Netflix is another great place. They got all kinds of great shows on there. They've got Samurai Seven. They've got Fruits Basket. They've got uh, let's see what else they got here. Oh boy, there are a ton of anime on here. Some really good ones. They've got uh, Rosario Vampire. They got Black Butler. Oran High School Host Club. D Gray Man. Uh, the My Little Pony. My Little Pony, the Soul Eater. Uh, again, a lot of great shows that this guy, this magnificent son of a bitch is in. Check them out. They're really, really great shows. And uh, and hopefully you get to see this guy at a convention uh, near soon. Are there any conventions besides Akon? Uh, I believe next – is that next weekend? I actually am not a formal guest at Akon next weekend. It's just the Team Four Star guys are going to come visit me uh, when they're in town. I have some other conventions planned, but I can't remember them off the top of my head. I guess I could maybe try and look for them. I know uh, you guys are familiar with Colossal Con. I'm doing that one, I think, Sandusky in a couple of weeks. Awesome. Billy West is going to be there, too. So you get to meet Fry and Regina. I'm going to be doing MMA Expo. Uh, I don't know. There's there's a handful of other ones. Uh, I'll try and update it on my uh, Facebook page. It's... Facebook.com forward slash best voice ever. 
Yes, that's the homepage for TV's Christopher Sabbath, the fantastic voice actor behind Vegeta and Piccolo. More information on biography. Again, he's not some Chris Sabbath. He's TV's Christopher Sabbath. Well, Chris, thank you so much for, for being on the program. This was truly a huge honor. And, you know, I'm glad we were able to get through this without, you know, you blowing your cord saying it's over 9,000. Truly a great installment. And hopefully in the near future we can have you back on. Well, thanks again, man. I appreciate you having me. And this is the Dennis Daniels Show. Until next time, we'll say see you down the road.